can't wait for this game, man. I heard a question yesterday where it was like, if you had to pick one, which one would you rather watch? And I'm like, man, Mahomes, Burrow, I'd love to watch that. It, it doesn't feel like there's been a game where both rosters have been as well-rounded as these two teams. You obviously got an MVP going up against a rookie quarterback, but still, these two teams are so evenly matched. I'd take this game over Bengals Chiefs. Even though it has the two better quarterbacks, we've been asking all season, if the Niners and the Eagles play, who's going to win? Yeah, well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. Everyone these days has an opinion. Butthole or podcast. And all of them stick. Except for this one. Welcome to Just Your Opinion, Man, with Stephen Langford and Derek Papa. Stephen... I think we can both agree that we don't like the neutral site things when it comes to the conference championships. But can I recommend one thing that we could change for championship weekend? What's that? Have one game on Saturday and have one game on Sunday because today seems a little uh, hollow without a game. Does it? I don't know. I got a lot planned today, so I'm not even like, I'm not tripping. I'm good with it being tomorrow. Oh, yeah, well... What do you got planned today? Well, got my niece's little Frozen concert thing. She's, I think she's dancing in a Frozen show, a show that's Frozen. It's Frozen. Let it go. Yeah, the, uh, Disney, Frozen. the Disney movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got, yeah. I got you. And I think that's what it is. And then after that, going to San Francisco for a brew fest. So taking advantage of the Saturday. Nice. Mm-hmm. All right, we'll enjoy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I don't feel it. I don't feel that hollow at all. As a matter of fact, I'm glad I have the day off. These days, it sucks because I go into the weekends. I have these plans that I'm going to clean my apartment. Finally, it's an absolute train wreck in here. It looks like someone just. It it looks like the the Tasmanian devil just came through uh, for a couple of minutes, spun around real quick, destroyed everything, and then just left. Miss that guy. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. That's what he used to say. That's what he used yeah. to say. I'm gonna ruin your kitchen. I'm gonna leave pizza boxes in your living room. He didn't speak sentences, Stephen. Stop and, it. And that may have been just me uh, that left the pizza box in the living room that's been there since like Tuesday. But mm, what kind of uh, pizza? Uh, it was uh, Bebo's New York style pizza. It was uh, all meat. Two references to that place. Mm, yep, love it. Uh, but yeah, man. Um, it's, uh, whenever I want to clean the apartment, I'm like, oh, there's football. Can't do that. <laughs> that, that is me pretty much every weekend. It's just like, yes. oh, I can't do this. I got, uh, things to watch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's football on. Why would I clean my apartment? I have no time for this. No, <laughs> I, you might be right. Um, I don't know. I feel like it could be uh, a jam packed weekend if they did that. But uh, nevertheless, I like a good Sunday of uh, two games. Yeah. I don't <sighs> See, I don't know. I don't. I don't know. I, I think I'd rather have two games back to back because, like, you'd watch the one game; it'd probably be all exciting, and then you're like, "All right, well, you're kind of like the fish in Finding Nemo at the end. You know, you make it to the ocean, and you're like, now what? That's you how mean, I. That's you, how you, I feel. You mean Nemo? Yeah. Well, like the the other or Nemo's fish. dad, I guess. No, the other name? the other fish. Ah, dude, it, it, it's been a minute since I've seen Finding Nemo. You act like I've seen these movies yesterday. The fish from the dentist. Oh, uh, it's been a minute. Yeah, 
Yeah, where they get out at the end. You remember they have like the they they get in the plastic bag. Yeah, I know, I know. Out. It's it, it. My 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 Pixar recall is not as good as yours. Yeah, I tend to watch those movies a lot. It's a big it's a big Saturday morning ritual here in the household. Although we we just we have ten minutes left on it, but we were just finishing up watching Tar. Yeah, what's Tar? Yeah, yeah, I've heard about that. It's an Oscar movie, huh? Yeah, it's the one with Kate Blanchett. She plays a conductor. Ooh, yeah. Yeah, like so, like like a musical conductor, like a like a train conductor, musical conductor. Okay, what about no. you to see her as a train conductor? It's actually the sequel to Buster Keaton's The General. Oh damn! Okay, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> but uh, not to be confused with the commercial. Well, The General's a legendary movie. If you haven't seen it, silent film, Buster Keaton, amazing. Um, look at you dropping a uh, Buster Keaton knowledge. <laughs> It's amazing. It's a, it's it's awesome. He's on a train and he's better than Charlie Chaplin. I like his movies more than I like Charlie Chaplin's for some odd reason. I don't know okay. why. Right. But uh no, she's a she's a music conductor. Actually, they call her a maestro. Ah, uh, the maestro. If you ever yes. know the Seinfeld episode. <laughs> yes. Just call me maestro. Mhm. So uh I don't really recommend it though. It's kind of uh weird. Like, yeah, I, I don't know if I'm going to get to the Oscar movies this this year because um, I have no interest in most of them. And I felt that way a couple of years ago coming out of the pandy. And we were we had a bunch of uh, Oscar movies. And I guess the leading one was um, what was the one? What was the one with Frances McDormand where she uh, goes from place to place? Three billboards in Ebbing. No, no, no. That that was a great movie. No, no, no. The one oh, where um, Nomadland. Nomadland. Yeah. A lot, a lot of downer movies after. uh the pandemic and i i don't know like i've always been down for oscar movies but now i'm kind of like who are you to say what's a good movie and what's a not good movie yeah the uh the oscars in my opinion have gone downhill ever since it was 2009 when it was avatar it was the hurt locker it was inglorious bastards all these movies up for the thing and then steve martin and alec baldwin Kind of weird that Alec Baldwin nowadays, you know, 14 years later, what's happening with him. But Steve Martin and Alec Baldwin were on there because they made that crappy movie with Weryl Streep called the the couple or the switch up or whatever stupid flicks. I know. I know. I know what movie you're talking about. Yeah. I was like, wow, this is weird. A try a a love triangle between three people who are just what? Anyway, they were fantastic hosting, though. (laughs) So the, the, the Oscars have gone downhill uh, since 2009, IMO. I uh, that's 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 one way to say it. Um, IMHO. I'm with you, and uh, yeah, like the, my favorite movie last year was uh, the Weird Al movie, and no love for that. So uh, I I don't see a place for myself with these Oscar movies. Shocker. <laughs> you also said that whatever it's called, uh, Barb and Margot to Vista Del Mar was like the funniest movie you'd seen in a really long time. It was a funny movie. You didn't care for it. I mean, it's funny, but it got old after a you know, an hour. You just don't like. I I I just like goofiness, like straight yes. up, just like two hours of just ridiculous shit for <laughs> I, that. You do. I I I do. I, I was I was bringing up an, oh uh, I finally got to watching. Um, so I feel weird saying this out loud, but That's uh, fine. I found out that not many people watch this this thing anyway. Ernie, thank you for uh, being the only one. And uh, I'm calling it the Pandy Ernie just because uh, that's my ironic way of saying it because I think it's ridiculous that we call it Pandy. It's the pandemic. Make it sound like a fun time. Anyway, 
Um, I realized the other day that uh, I'm still signed into my Paramount Plus account, even though I canceled that shit back in July. So I checked my bank statements. I haven't been charged since July, huh. but I've had Paramount Plus for that amount of time. So until have I already said this before, by the way, on the last podcast? No. Nah. Okay. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to get watching Paramount Plus and hopefully no one is the wiser that I've been using this shit for free. But have you have been using it, though? This isn't like the just first. the last couple weeks. Oh, that's unfortunate. I literally you had it for I, free for the last six months, and you just started watching it. Well, I didn't realize I didn't sign out of it on my uh, on my Roku TV, but I guess for whatever reason, I'm not being charged, which is insane to me. I'm really hoping that somewhere I'm not I'm not being charged. I, I'm checking my bank statements, and I'm like, I don't see anything for Paramount Plus. Hmm. So I got to watching uh, Top Gun Maverick. Oh. and um, solid flick. Oh. Uh, basically, the the first one. Ugh. but uh yeah it, it was it was good i Ugh. yeah like i would it's had tom cruise in what 60 he's around there he's getting yeah, that's i i like the idea that everybody else in that movie like john ham is supposed to be like the older guy than him in that movie and i want to yeah. say like tom cruise maybe has like 10 years on him he's not supposed to be the older guy john ham's just supposed to be in the more senior position like tom cruise has clearly chosen to not be in that position yeah, but John Hamm has the gray on the side of his hair where Tom Cruise is, you know, trying to get tar and put it in his his hair. Well, that might be true. Yes, his hair, his hair is definitely, there's definitely some Just for Men that's sponsoring the movie. No oh, doubt. Tom Cruise, like, listen, I, I have immense respect for the man because he almost dies for every Mission Impossible movie. But he might be 99% fake at this point. Mm. Yeah. I don't know about 99%, but he still does everything. Have you seen the latest thing for the Mission Impossible movie? Where he's on the train or on the plane? No, where he's on the uh, where he's on the motorcycle. He's like doing these motorcycle stunts oh, where he's, oh, the new like, Mission Impossible. Like I said, like I said, I give, a, I, I give immense respect to the man. And yes, he works out great and probably has the Tom Brady diet. But he does look like he's... 40 years old and I don't know what he what stem cells he's using to stay that young. Well, okay, but but but, but you got to admit in the beach scene that that bot he's got that old man body. Like now. I well, yeah, a little bit. You know yeah. that strong that that strong there, old man body though? There there yes, there's he he's look a little bit like uh like uh who who's that guy uh that back in the day um there's like an old there's like a guy that was like lived to be 100 but he was so ripped all the time. A young like a old uh fitness instructor, forget his name, but Yes, Tom Cruise at certain camera angles looks like the old man. He has that old man strength body, you know, like that's one that's in shape. And it's like, damn, you're you're, you're getting up there. Uh, and also that stupid, that stupid game that they played on the beach in that movie. Oh, the uh, the football scene. Yeah. What? Both offense and defense. What does that mean? Yeah, I didn't I, I didn't get that. That, that. See, like I said, that, that, that movie was just to recreate everything for the first one. So that was the volleyball scene. Yeah, but like. It, it, By the way, what is that song? The song with the whistling. Because it's been in my head since. The song with the whistling. There's a song that plays during that, that football scene. And I've heard oh. it at the gym. And it's catchy as hell. It's like I don't One know. Republic, I want to say. I don't know. Yeah. I can't remember. Anyway. Uh, it's no hanging with the boys. I know that. What the hell is that? It's the one that played in the original Top Gun. Hanging with the oh. boys. Yeah. <laughs> 
basically. Um. Oh, and the assistant from that from the uh, from that movie, John Hamm's assistant, the guy. Well, not John Hamm's, but the guy who knew Tom Cruise. Yeah, yeah. With, with the glasses, the guy who like I knew him from the past, and you know, he's like he's the one that's kind of like hit on his side. You know, uh, he's in a hilarious sitcom called South Side. That's where I first saw him before. Yeah, he'd be talking about that show. Highly recommend South Side. It's funny as hell. All right. I will say, I will say, the scene where he goes to visit Val, that got me a little bit. That was that was very well done, right? Very well done. Brutal. Con- considering that is Val Kilmer today. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Emotional. Get you emotional. It's a lot. It's a far cry from Magruder or Magruber, excuse me. <laughs> but he's great in that too. Yes. Um, Ernie, great knowledge here. Tom Cruise with two O's and a Z-E does all of Tom Cruise stunts. That's a very old school reference to a Ben Stiller. I want to say like MTV Movie Awards a sketch. Yeah. Well yeah. done, Ernie. That Ernie, was after Ernie. the uh, that was after the that was after the second one. That was after Mission Impossible Two. Yeah, with the uh, the the Limp Biscuit one. Yes, that's how I that, that's how I remember it. Yes, <laughs> the worst one out of all of them. All right, let's talk about some sports, pop culture, catch up aside. Why? What, what what's happening in sports? Honestly, what do we got going on? We got uh, two big games tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, right. they're kind of big. Also, I totally realized Finding Nemo. I have this. Mug. God, you you are a Finding Nemo head. I love Finding Nemo. It's my favorite Pixar movie. Out of all of them? Yeah. I'm more of a Toy Story guy. Actually, Toy Story's great. Yeah, not it's a fourth story. one. Toy Story's right up there. The fourth one was not needed whatsoever. The fourth one was fine. It uh, wasn't needed. Damn, that's a good point. Finding Nemo 2 wasn't really needed. I'll say that. Didn't even see it. Oh, Finding Dory? Yeah, Finding Dory. Well, they found her. She's there the whole time. I would assume, yeah. At least you Nemo know. is like actually lost. Yeah, Disney's not taking a huge risk in like uh, Bambi for back of the day. No, <laughs> no, they're not. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about some sports. Sorry, Stephen. Hmm. Um, we got some conference championship games, and these games are pretty big. I would say. Yeah. Do you think do you think we have the four best teams in all of football this this uh, season playing tomorrow? Yeah, Trey Wingo had the stat that kind of um, that kind of proves that it is Wingo. Um, they are team. These teams are now. I mean, this includes the Niners' twelve game win streak too, um, or not twelve game? I guess yeah, twelve game too. Um, yeah. But these teams are thirty four and three over the last ten weeks, which is which is a record um, for teams going into the conference championship, like a previous 10 week record going into yeah. the conference championship. So um, yes, they are the best teams in, in the NFL. I think we kind of all knew that. I think the only ones that really, that really we didn't expect to be like, if I think in the beginning of the season, if you had to ask most people, what would be your AFC championship and NFC championship? It was more than likely going to be Eagles and Niners in the AFC in the NFC. I don't know which other team you would have chosen. Maybe the Buccaneers, because um, of Tom Brady, would you have said the Eagles? Yeah, yeah, they were the before, deepest. They were the before deepest. before the season started. Yeah, yeah. I think, mm, I think, I think you would have said Rams, considering mm. the Super Bowl champs. Yeah, Bucks maybe Packers. People were still reacting to things from last season. Actually, you know what? Yeah, there were a lot of Packers, Rams. Uh, Eagles were the favorites in the East, but I don't think anyone saw them being the best team in the NFC. Yeah, you know, you know what? Good point. Now they, but after their eight-game win streak, it was kind of like, okay, yeah. yeah, now it's these two teams. And then the Niners, once they started winning, um, even before Purdy got there, like you kind of knew, okay, this team is is kind of for real. Like before Purdy got there, I don't know. Like 
Garoppolo was crappy, crappy in the postseason. Um, but I got to admit, he was playing just about as well as I'd seen him play before he went down with an injury. Um, yeah. So, like, I don't know if I'm going to use his past postseasons to predict what he would have done this postseason. Uh, but the team was still pretty damn good. And I think you could tell uh, that they had the skills to get there. And then the Chiefs and the Bengals. Well, I mean, it's a toss up. But, I mean, you're probably putting the Chiefs up there and you know, before the season. And then during the season, you're like, ah, I don't know about the Bengals. But then the Bengals started becoming the Bengals again. And then uh, yeah, now here we are. So, yes, to answer your you- question in short. You probably would have put the Bills in there before the season. I think both of us picked the Bills to go to the Super Bowl, and a lot of people did. And we talked about the Bills last week, um, or last uh, episode, I should say. Um, and they'll be in the mix, I think, in the AFC for years to come. But, yeah, I think that these are the most uh, the most playoff-savvy teams, I would say, between the, 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 you know, the rest of the NFL. Obviously, they're the last four teams remaining. Um, so let's get to it. We'll, we'll break down these games, but before we do that real quick, just some NFL tidbits, some news that happened this week. Uh, Frank Reich becomes the uh, head coach of the Carolina Panthers. A lot of people thought that Steve Wilkes was going to get that job from what he did in the regular season as interim head coach when Matt Rule got fired, but he unfortunately did not get the position. Frank Reich obviously did a good job with the Colts, but not good this season. So he gets the job at Carolina. Actually, it was the first quarterback in that team's history, so he gets that job. Mm-hmm. And then uh, D'Amico Ryans. It sounds like he's going to have his pick between either the Houston Texans or the Denver Broncos as he has been named the leading candidate for both teams. I would say that if I were him, I would pick the Texans because even though that their ownership is crappy and you don't know about Nick Casario and they fired two guys in the last two seasons and kind of kept them as the scapegoats, I think that this may sound weird, but there won't be as much pressure to win in Houston as there will be with Denver. D'Amico is a defensive coach. Obviously, he's a defense coordinator, and he'll be in the game tomorrow against the Eagles. But there will be an expectation if he takes the Broncos job to win and fix Russell Wilson. He's, it's going to be a lot of pressure to pick the right offensive coordinator to resurrect Russell Wilson's career. So if I was D'Amico, I wouldn't do that job, and I would want an extensive contract with the Texans and assurances that I would get more than one season to fulfill what I need to do with this team. Do you agree, Steven? I do. Um, and I, like, I just, I look at Russell Wilson and what he did. Um, and if there's no, like, like I, I look back at this Jerry Judy tweet from the end of the year, when people are saying they're all wrong about Russ and how, and how the team feels about him and all, all that stuff. Like, they're saying no this guy's work ethic is second to none like don't even don't listen to what everyone's saying well okay but he still had a terrible year so my thought is maybe he's just kind of over you know, he's past his prime you know he's kind of on to the next chapter of his career i mean i don't know i mean maybe he'll be comeback player of the year in 2023 or 2024 i don't know but um yeah to me like Houston would be maybe not the more appealing job, but certainly for all the reasons that you just mentioned. And it's not as easy um, just to hire an offensive coordinator, say like it was for, hmm, I don't know, Robert Sala going to the jets. Who's just like, Hey, I got this guy in San Francisco. Come along with me. I'll make him the offensive coordinator. It's not that easy um, just to hire one. So yeah, I agree. You talk about Nathaniel Hackett talking about Mike LaFleur. 
Well, Mike LaFleur, I think, is a good offensive coordinator. No, he's a great offensive coordinator. That's what I'm saying. I know he got fired, but I don't think that was Robert Sala exactly doing the firing there. I don't know if that was his decision. No, I think that was Woody Johnson being like, you got to make an example of somebody. And unfortunately, Robert Sala had to axe his OC and Mike LaFleur goes to the Rams to reunite with Sean McVay. So that'd yeah. be interesting to see what happens with the Niners and Rams going forward if Mike LaFleur can help out Sean McVay in that department. Um but they did hire they did hire Nathaniel Hackett to replace him with the Jets, and many people are like, "Well, there you go. They're going to go after Aaron Rodgers," and I think they will. But I don't know if that is going to happen. But it could. Wouldn't the more have, and more, the, wouldn't have it happen in Denver? Like when well, they traded for Rodgers there in Denver, if that like, like well, that's what in the it, end, well, in the end, Rodgers chose to stay with the Packers, right? So why would he do any different if there if it's a if it's a different team with? I don't coach? think I don't think that it's gonna be in his hands anymore. I think that that I think that the Packers saw a steep decline in play from Aaron Rodgers this season, mm-hmm. and now that they did not have a playoff year, they didn't. He wasn't MVP. They have an excuse to get rid of him, right. and they have one year left on his contract, so they could get some value out of him. Is that first two first round picks? I don't think that Aaron Rodgers garners that. Um, that uh, price value anymore, right? So I could see this happening, and if it did, it would be very interesting because that's how Brett Favre's career went, right? We'll see if Aaron Rodgers gets busted for some Mississippi welfare thing in the future. <laughs> but um, I don't know if that would be the right move, and I don't really know if Aaron Rodgers wants to keep playing football. Like I said. I don't care about the whole uh, will I, won't I thing. But if he does get traded, I do think that the Jets could be a possibility. He is. uh, Yeah, he's on this. He's also on this, you know, this um, this like anti cancel culture tour where he's just calling out woke people. (laughs) So so. I noticed that the other day where he uh, he he went down a slippery slope with, uh, I guess, calling out ESPN because they're sponsored with Pfizer. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's 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 Joe Rogan for you. That's the big pharma stuff that he keeps on preaching. Um, yeah, you know the the and how they own everything. And there's a lot, man. There's there's a lot going on within the Pfizer community. There was like a video that surfaced uh, that a lot of people are using, where supposedly this guy who's like the director of something or other within Pfizer is saying that they're using uh, that they're using what is it? They're they're creating like a mutation of COVID so that they keep, could keep rolling out the vaccine or something like that. I'm just like, Oh my gosh, can we just put this all to rest? (laughs) This whole, this whole, this whole, it's too exhausting to think. I got my own things to deal with. I told you I'm I'm leaving pizza boxes in my apartment on a Monday. I'm like, I can't focus on how big pharma is, is yeah. My, my, my response to all that is I don't care. My, my response is I don't know. And I don't have, I don't have the mental capacity to just like think that broadly about things. <laughs> it would make not like, so you dumb. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because I'm very, I'm very easily influenced. You know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm a, I'm a gullible guy. Cause you, you show me some numbers, you show me some stats. I'm like, Ooh, Ooh. but like at the same yeah, time, DOV, DOV or whatever the fuck you brought up. DVOA and <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck is that? Yeah, not um, bringing baseball into my football. Damn it! Hey man, DVOA baby. <laughs> yeah, uh, to everything you just said, Stephen, I have no idea what the hell you're talking about. But um, 
yeah, I, I it's crazy care. what's going on. It's crazy. I don't care. And I don't care if, if Aaron Rodgers, well, I, I do care, but I don't care in the sense that he's going to take us hostage all over again. If he decides to play and he gets traded, then I'll be interested. But I don't think we'll know anything until probably the week before free agency starts. Right. But as far as Derek Carr, the time is a ticking because we will have the Super Bowl matchup done by tomorrow. And then we got a week or two weeks, actually, before the game is played. And if I remember correctly, all those trades that happened before the Super Bowl happened during the week in between. Like the Alex Smith trade where he went to the Chiefs and he went to the uh, Washington then Redskins. And then he and then Matthew Stafford got traded during the bye week before the Super Bowl. So if a Derek Carr deal does get done, it may happen by next week. We shall see. Yeah. Yeah, you're probably right. We'll see about that. Anyway, let's get down to these games. So we got the conference championships. We got the 49ers and Eagles, and we got the Bengals and Chiefs. By the way, I hope we get no breaking news today that ruins the appeal of tomorrow because last year at this time, I don't know if you remember, Stephen, before the conference championship games, Tom Brady announced his initial retirement the day before the conference championship games. I didn't like that one whatsoever because it kind of took away from the games a little bit, but we still enjoyed the games. Yeah, that's you. I don't I I don't let those things in, in, in like intrude on my game watching experience. Maybe like, it was just because I was working at NFL Network that day and then the news broke and I was like I don't have time for this shit. I need to get it, home. Yeah, that's that's certainly a product of working within the sports landscape there because it's very easy to just not let that bother you. <laughs> You know, I just didn't. I just didn't think it was necessary for that to come out that day. I don't think it was Tom Brady's fault that that happened. I think it was Adam Schefter and Jeff Darlington who broke that news. Uh huh. But I don't think that it was necessary for that to happen that day. But whatever. <laughs> it's just it's messing up my weekend. Yes, yeah, it was conference championship weekend. You gotta. I mean, like with the draft a couple years ago with Schefter talking about the day of the draft and Aaron Rodgers gonna wants to get traded. Yeah. Sometimes they're just more important things. Hold the story. Okay. Well, the, the Aaron Rodgers thing I get because that was during the draft, but on the Saturday before the conference championship game. So what do you want? What do you want? More score predictions from everybody? That's probably your, that you're not going to remember. What do you want? More yeah. betting tips from everyone who thinks that, you know, the over on Ayuk's receiving yard numbers are a little too low. Yes, I do want all that stuff. No, I just don't want, I don't know doesn't need to be said at that time. Bring it up on Monday. We got, we got games to watch. Should be the game. Everything I'd else much is rather react. To, I'd, I, you know what? I That's an interesting point. I'd much rather react to the games than focus on that. I'd, ra- I'd much rather have it happen on the Saturday before the games. Because mm. I think game preview is like what we're going to do. It's what we're going to do. But the game preview ultimately, like, this is just me. I don't know about anyone else. But, like, I kind of forget. Like a lot of what people say, like I, I, I read, I read it. You know what I'm saying? I look at it, yeah. but I don't necessarily retain it. <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't go like after the game thinking, oh man, he said this, like, oh, this guy was wrong. Or she said this, she's so wrong about that game. You know, I don't really, I don't know. I, when it's, when it's a hot take, I'll remember that stuff. But as far as like game predictions, like, I don't know. It, it's all like, I'll, I'll be completely honest. And we've been very honest about this on the air doing Tolbert and Copes this week. Once we get to Thursday or Friday, it's just the same regurgitated nonsense. At this point, let's just play the damn game. 
Like, I love the playoffs, don't get me wrong, but when it comes to talking on sports talk radio and talking about the same shit over and over and over again, let's just get to the game already. That's why Monday's so great, because you can just react to something brand new. But by the time you get to Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, it's like there's no new game to react to. That's where baseball and basketball is so much more, I would say, interesting to talk about on a daily basis because you get new games every other day. Where football, it's fantastic, my favorite sport, but you got to wait a week until the next one happens. Yeah, by the time you get to Thursday and Friday, the talk kind of wears off and, you know, the amount of It just turns that, into smack talk like, oh, Philly sucks. Ugh. Yeah, then it, then it turns into this whole thing about how, you know, I, I don't know what Philly, Philadelphia Twitter is looking like right now, but like, you know, it turns into a whole, it, it just turns into like two dogs barking at each other through a fence, you know, and they're barking about really the same thing which is my team is better than yours. Our team's not getting enough respect or well, in this case, I guess the 49ers who aren't getting enough respect um, because I've seen a billion times. Well, if the national, if this, if the national shows are predicting this game, then the Niners are going to lose by a hundred. It's like, okay, calm down. Uh, But I think like, I think a lot of fan bases fall victim to this, especially around NFC championship weekend, Mm -hmm. uh, which is, um, and this is me, you know, with a team that, uh, you know, I'm a fan of this is a part this is me from being a way outside onlooker here because my team hasn't been involved anywhere close to that AFC championship for the last 20 years. But what it turns into those are good times. Yeah. I mean, I was eight years old. Uh, what it turns into is uh, just it's a case of the opposition, the the opposition's fan base thinking they know about the other team when really they don't know as much as they think about the other team. You know what I mean? Like I, I yeah. think there's a, there's a void there um, because you could say all these things you want, but in reality you haven't paid attention to that other team nearly as much. Like I guarantee, like I guarantee you that 49er fans haven't watched as many Eagles games and that's why there's disrespect. I guarantee you the Eagles fans have not watched as many Niner games. Um, and that's probably why they're being so cocky right now. And, you know, then we get on the national shows and then we start to say, well, the national shows don't watch anybody of the way that they're talking about the Eagles. Well, maybe they do. And maybe they do know what they're talking about. You know what I'm saying? Let me just say this to 49er fans that watch national shows, whether it's NFL Network or it's ESPN. There is a definite bias against the Niners. Mm-hmm. I 100% acknowledge that. I worked at NFL Network. We even talked about it behind the scenes where the Niners were upset that they don't get as much coverage, even though that they are a successful team. Yeah. And the truth of the matter is, is that NFL Network and ESPN will always go with the East Coast teams because they garner more attention and more ratings because their fans are more diehard. That is the truth. I know the Niners fans have a strong fan base and they have the faithful and everything, but Philly fans and Dallas Cowboy fans and New York Giants fans they have the East Coast media markets, and they have fans that are don't have much more to do with their lives, so they focus on those teams. And that's just the truth. There's just some teams that just garner more media attention. I don't know what it is in, in the Bay Area when it comes to the Niners and Raiders. Niners do way better than the Raiders. But nationally, I would say the Raiders do better than the Niners. Yeah, and it's it's certainly it's certainly a case of there being more people who pay attention to sports media out there. Like, you know, as much as we all do, the numbers show it's not even just ratings numbers. It's like the cumulative numbers of, of listeners that they have out there 
it's like astronomical compared to what we have out here. Yeah. You know, like it's it's actually kind of crazy. It is crazy. But um, yeah, I I also I mean, like, yeah. And also like, you know, ESPN, Bristol, Connecticut, it's close to Philadelphia. So they're going to be skewed more to Philadelphia and that media market. Mm. But um, I will say that the the players, I think, are downplaying a little bit of the Philly fans, except with the exception of Trent Williams. He knows what the deal is. Um, as far as Debo Samuel, like I, I know like a lot of Philadelphia media outlets have gone with his quote about how, well, our fans are loud, too. Uh, it's, you know, at the end of the day, fans aren't going to dictate the outcome of a game. It could help. But at, at the end of the day, the, the Eagles have to put up more points than the Niners. Um, I will say that I think everything from what Debo's comment was to Kyle Shanahan and Brock Purdy saying that, you know, they were prepared from the Seattle Seahawks game for this type of game. I don't see it that way. I think this is going to be the most intense environment the Niners have faced in their playoff run so far. Um, going back to 2019. Oh, I season. I was like, what? Well, they were, they, they were at home. Yeah. Um, and, and even for Brock Purdy, two of his starts were in C and the two, his two road starts were in Seattle and were in Las Vegas. Not, I mean, like Seattle hostile environment. I get that, but also it's not the same thing as back in the day with the Legion of Boom. And also, Niner fans took over the stadium when they went to Allegiant. So I don't think Brock Purdy has been really tested on the road yet. Yeah, Vegas is a road game the same way that Mexico City was a road game. Technically, exactly. it was on the road, but a lot of Niner fans were there. Exactly. So it's like, yeah, 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 yeah. But um, I do believe, listening to the Niners yesterday, that they do kind of revel in the idea of being the road team, and they, li- they like the fun of going on the road and upsetting a bunch of fans. And that's kind of a good like team camaraderie. Like Kyle was talking about, like there's pros and cons. Like they asked him straight up, like, would you like the neutral side idea? And he's like, that'd be terrible. Yeah. There's pros and cons to being the home team and to being the road team. Because then, you know, you're the home team. You benefited from that, all from all the hard work you put in this season. And then when you are the road team, you get to go in there and be like, fuck you to the fan base and, you know, plant your flag in the middle of that stadium. The the same way that um, the same way that you they react to their home crowd and like how, you know, loud they get, especially when they're like, uh, especially when they're on defense and stuff and how they react and how they feed off of it. I mean, it's kind of the same with how they feed off of the silence on the road. Like if you could silence the crowd somehow, that's when they feed off that and they keep. Doing oh, yeah. Everything. So, yeah, there's certainly advantages and disadvantages. And I think um, I think the Niners are going to give them a damn good game. Like the crowd noise is going to be one factor that may play into it. And I don't know, unless you have a scenario where it's like Draymond Green, where you could tell he's truly flustered and then later on admits, yeah, they got under they got under my skin. They got to me in that game uh, like they did in game three, I think, in Boston. Um, Like, yeah, then I'm then we won't understand it. But I. I never thought that was going to be like the big factor in this game. The big, the the great, not even equalizer, the the thing that puts the Eagles over the top. I never thought that. I never thought of that. Yeah, I never thought that either. And I, I will say, like, I guess like the best road win they've had was last year in Green Bay. But I think also that was a product of, not that like the Packers fans are hostile or anything, but I think that the Niners were built better to win in the cold and in the little bit of the snow than what the Packers were. And that helped them in that game. For this, it's a it's a little more even, and I think that Philly fans are intense, one hundred percent. They're probably the most intense fan base in all of football. Are they the best fans? 
That's debatable, but I think that they definitely they they make you feel their presence. So it, it's it's going to be interesting tomorrow. And um, as far as the matchup itself between the two football teams, I want to go position by position here, Stephen, and wow. you tell me who has the advantage. Wow, you ready? Okay, bring it. Let's do it. Quarterback position by position. Are we going like you mean positional group or like position? Position position group. Okay. Gotcha. Quarterback. I think I think this is pretty easy. Yeah, that's that's the Eagles. No doubt. I mean, Jalen Hurts, we'll see what happens with the shoulder. I he looked a little tentative last week, in my opinion, but I think that he'll be fine. Um, and the uh, the thing is just Brock Purdy, it's been well documented. He it, he tomorrow he'll be the fifth rookie to ever start a conference championship, and all other guys have failed. And I think that's the key factor in this game if we're just gonna get to that already. Um it's just whether or not he's going to have the moment get to him, which I don't think he will. It's just a matter of, I don't think he's going to be scared. I think that it's just, will he play effectively? He hasn't played a team like this. It was a good test for him last week against the Dallas Cowboys, but I think this team is a whole other thing with their pass rush and their secondary. Yep, yep. Uh, running backs. Oh, I'd give the Niners the edge easily. I would too. I think McCaffrey... Uh, is the better back between him and Miles Sanders. I do think that the Eagles have better depth at running back, but I do think that McCaffrey is the better overall player between the two teams. Man, that's t- that's that's an interesting one. The, the depth question, because Kenneth Gainwell, I think, is going to I think it's going to surprise some people. Kenneth Gainwell is a solid player. By the way, has there ever been a better running back name? No. No, like unless there's a guy that's like called Kenneth Move the Chains or something. Or Kenneth <laughs> Carries. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, hasn't there, there has been a, no, that's TJ Carey. He was a cornerback. Uh, I love TJ Carey. Yeah. He was great for a year. Uh, what do you mean? He was all right. A good guy. Yeah. He was a great guy. He should, um, he should, he should get in the media. No, I think, uh, mm, cause I want to take injuries out of it. Like I do think I, I do think the Elijah Mitchell groin thing is huge. Like I'm with you there. We talked about that yesterday. Um, like McCaffrey's calf. Like I, I'm, I don't want to say like, oh man, this is why I think the Eagles have a better running back group. Not at all. I think the Niners are far and above. I think the Niners even have better depth um, than 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 the Eagles do. We haven't seen Jordan Mason in a while, but um, I'd take the running back groups for the Niners 100, percent no matter what. But um, but if we are taking injuries into account, I do think the groin thing is a, is an issue because like Elijah Mitchell took on the carries for the last two possessions of that game, and he was a huge factor like McCaffrey that's it that was the time for McCaffrey to shine it's not like they were up for it's not like they were up two scores where you know they're just trying to run the clock out and they're bringing in the backup running back no this was a this was a serious thing for McCaffrey but it seems like he's okay with his calf but if it flares up again and he can't seem to run at full speed then what's going to happen with Elijah Mitchell I think that's a I do think that's a concern heading into this I agree with you and I think that if he can't go it probably will be Jordan Mason in that you know tough carry position between the tackles, and that was needed last week when McCaffrey was getting slammed by the run and they couldn't go outside zone up yeah. the middle. They went with Elijah Mitchell, and I wonder if they'll be comfortable with Jordan Mason in that position if they get slammed by the run with Christian McCaffrey and he's not going to be effective. Are they going to go with the rookie in that situation? Yeah, and it's a, it's 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 a total guess as to why Mason didn't get more carries because people were calling for Jordan Mason to get more, and I understand why the dude the dude's massive. He runs hard, like he's really great. Um, but my this is just a guess. I'm I don't I don't know. 
Uh, but my guess is that he didn't fully grasp the entire playbook. And that's why Shanahan was hesitant to put him in because there's a lot of plays that you got to go through, especially as a running back for that team. It's not just, Hey, carry the football to the outside or run between the tackles. Like, no, that's not, that's not it. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, um, yeah, I, I, I don't know why, but if, if it is Jordan Mason at the end, I don't, I don't know. They're not going to be able to use their full bag of tricks. Yeah, I think that when it comes to rookies, Kyle Shanahan is hesitant to play them unless it's at a necessity. That's why Brock mm-hmm. Purdy's in the situation. Right. We haven't seen Danny Gray all season. Jordan Mason's been playing here or there with the injury because of Elijah Mitchell. If he has to go tomorrow, I think that's at a necessity, and that's why I think Kyle Shanahan feels more comfortable with veteran players and guys that know the playbook a lot better, just like you said. Yeah. All right, as far as wide receiver, we got – two great wide receivers with the Philadelphia Eagles and we got two great wide receivers with the 49ers, but who you think is better, Steven? Between oh, the two I'd, teams? I'd, I'd take the, uh, I, well, the, if we're going just top two, I would definitely take, uh, the Eagles receivers. Um, AJ Brown and Debo Samuel have been, um, have been comparable just because they were drafted the same year though. AJ Brown, uh, in the first round Debo in the second. Um, and you know, I'm, I'm not going to, like I had this opinion last year too. Like it was a, it was a, when the wide receivers were up for grabs, it was all these guys from 2019, you know, it was McLaurin, it was Debo, it was AJ Brown. And it's like, who would you take out of that entire group? And I, I said, I'd take AJ Brown in a heartbeat. Mm-hmm. Um, and though I really like, I really like Brandon Ayuk too. I'd probably take him over Devonte Smith, but yeah, it's the, it's more the AJ Brown and Debo thing for me. So I'd take both. I'd take the Eagles. What about you? I would take the Eagles as well. I think that, I don't know if this is right or not, but I want to say they're one of the few teams, or maybe not the only team, to have two wide receivers with a thousand yards receiving this season. Mm. And I think that Devontae Smith has come into his own as a pass catcher. I think AJ Brown is more the big play guy. And I'll be very interested to see if Charvarius Ward can cover AJ Brown, because you have to assume that's the guy that's going to be on him. Right. He had his he had his trouble with DK Metcalf, who's a big physical receiver, and that's the same thing with AJ Brown. A.J. Brown looked a little frustrated with they said initially it maybe may have been an injury, but I guess that's not the case. He was more frustrated with the amount of targets and catches he was getting in the last playoff game. So I would assume that if the Niners and then they very well could do this, stop the run, that it will be a passing game for the Eagles and they'll go to A.J. Brown deep. Same thing with Devontae Smith on Diamador Lenore. Yeah. you know, he's played very well. He got the pick off of um, Dak Prescott last week, but we'll see if he can handle the very shifty Devontae Smith. So I would go with the Eagles in that matchup. I think that Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel, they will try to get the ball in their hands, but this secondary, I, I'll, I'll just say this, we'll, we'll go to this uh, matchup real quick. The quarterbacks, I think, are better than the Niners quarterbacks and secondary. Yeah. I think that even though they have great playmakers in Traverius Ward in Diamador Lenore, um, Jimmy Ward, and Teleno Funga, I think that the Eagles secondary is a lot better. I think that they have all three of those guys are pro bowlers in um, James Bradbury, Darius Slay, and CJ uh, Garner-Johnson. So I would give the edge to the Eagles in that matchup as well. Yeah, I mean, there's few guys, to be honest, that I'd take over Jimmy Ward at nickel cornerback right now. Um, because he's, I think he's been damn good since he's moved to that position. Uh, and to Sean Gibson's more so taking over the free safety spot. Um, but, uh, I, I mean, CJ Gardner Johnson is one of the few who you might take over him. And oh, yeah. I don't like Darius Slay. 
that dude is he's a talker. I'd, I'd be fascinated to see. Like that's that's what's going to be interesting to me. Even like, Debo may get into it. Yeah, like the 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 Ward thing is fascinating because he does not do a lot of talking. Yet wide receivers seem to get really annoyed when they go up against him because he's because he because he stops them and he does a pretty damn good job. And it's like they just get annoyed just by his play. He doesn't do a lot of talking. And yeah. then, you know, then he might when the if the wide receiver gets in his face. So I wonder who's going to be like the first to kind of get, you know, under each other's skin. Is it going to be Darius Slay and Debo Samuel? Is it going to be, you know, A.J. Brown who gets frustrated with how Charvarius Ward is guarding him? Like, who's it going to be? Who's going to win that battle? But um, yeah, but the and, and Talanoa Hufunga, though, he might he might be the, the equalizer there. Like, damn, I'd take him over any of the two safeties on the Eagles. Yeah, they have uh, who's it? Mike? Uh, is it Mike? Is it Mike Epps? No, Mike Epps is the, is the comedian. <laughs> there, there, there's there's a safety with the last name Epps though on uh, on this on the Eagles. Yeah, well, uh, let me take a look here. It's uh, Marcus Epps. Marcus Epps. Yes, and then you know C.J. Gardner Johnson's right yeah. there, or and then uh, and they have blanket ship. Hmm. And then Avante, Ma- yeah, they got a oh, Avante Maddox. Oh, he's coming back. Oh, that's big. Yeah. So I mean, he's pretty good. Gardner so then, Johnson. So Gardner Johnson could play in the, play safety then. Yeah. So they got they're pretty stacked. They are stacked. So I would give the edge to the Eagles in that uh, matchup. Tight end, I think that's pretty easy. George Kittle's way. I mean, like Dallas Goddard's a good tight end, but George Kittle's just that much better. Yeah. Someone was saying that we need to put Dallas Goddard in that conversation with like. Kelsey and and Kittle and and Warner and I'm like I don't know if I'm or and, uh, and not yet he has a, he has a bit consistent enough to and Waller like excuse yeah I'm I'm not ready to put Goddard there Goddard's a good tight end but I'm not gonna uh, yeah I'm not gonna put too much into that one I'd take Kittle over him in a heartbeat I agree uh, offensive line I would say that I would give the edge to the Eagles here just based on Jason Kelsey and Lane Johnson. And I know that Trent Williams is arguably the best left tackle in football, but I think that last week, not to say that the Niners offensive line isn't great. Um, it's, it's good. Uh, but they definitely have their struggles against the Dallas defensive line. So I wonder, I, th- I think the most fascinating matchup is going to be in the trenches between both teams, offensive lines and defensive lines. Yep. Cause they're both, they both are really good at what they do. They both are great at run blocking, both great at the pass rush, but can both offensive lines neutralize these great pass rushes. I mean, look, they're the the entire if 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 you say that the Niners offensive line is better than the Eagles offensive line then okay, I don't know what to tell you cuz it's like all five of those guys are pro bowlers, three starters, two alternates. You got Jason Kelsey who has had a Hall of Fame career maybe. Like he's been that good at center. I don't know if he's going to get the respect. He might have like the he might get the Tony Baselli treatment where it's just like it takes forever for him to get in. Um but uh Lane Johnson dude is really damn good like these guys have played together for so long Landon Dickerson um they got that guy at right tackle Jordan Mylotta who's like what's up what's up with these Australian guys the in the New Zealand Australian dudes that play in sports here in America they're so self-deprecating it is amazing I love their sense of humor Mylotta's hilarious he was like uh he was talking about Bosa and he, he was and then he goes he goes you know he's a he, he's a tenacious defender, and then, uh, and then, and then he like looks at the reporters like, "See that vocabulary? Got it up. It's getting better." <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, "My man, <laughs> like this guy's great." They're they're, uh, they're 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 just good with the humor, man. Just pulling on your tip, mate. 
Steven Adams, like he's another guy. Yeah. He's, he's so just they're All of them are so self-deprecating. It's fantastic. We need more of them in sports. They kind of, you know, they're just, they bring this humility to it, which makes you remember, oh, some of these guys are actually really hilarious, even though they play a super violent sport. Um, but yeah, excuse me. And he's a left tackle. It's, 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 uh, it's just across the board. They are, but the Niners do have Trent Williams. Aaron Banks is on the come up. He's awesome. Haven't really said too much about Jake Brendel this season. He's been the biggest surprise to me. Spencer Burford. Um, haven't really heard his name too much either. Mike McGlinchey. I don't care what people say about him. I think he's a good right tackle. Um, he's a solid right tackle. I don't think he's really done anything to your detriment. Although Micah Parsons did throw him to the ground with one arm. That was unbelievable feat of athleticism, but yeah, yeah but that's, that, that's a classic, like, you know, like when Khalil Mack lifted up, uh, Whoever, Ryan Jensen for the Bucks. Yeah, it's leverage. It's all it's it's leverage in that situation. Exactly. Um, and Ryan Jensen is one of the best centers in the league. So, um, yeah, I'd give the I'd give the edge there, but Trent Williams is better than all of them. I do think that. Yeah, as far as left tackle, but I think that Lane Johnson is just equally good at right tackle. Although he is battling a groin injury, and I think that's the most interesting thing is if he can handle Nick Bosa on the right there. Hmm. Yeah, depending on where he lines up. Yep. Yeah, I mean, he'll be all over the field, but when they're matched up together, I think that they would want to put him on Nick Bosa considering, or Bosa on Lane Johnson considering the injury. But if he if he can't handle him, then they'll, they'll switch him around. Well, that's the thing about, and, and, and I'll even just, you know, transition this into the defensive line. It's like with both teams, I would much rather have the stars of the offensive line and defensive line from the Niners. I'd much rather have Nick Bosa than any lineman on the Eagles. I'd much yeah. rather have Trent Williams than an offensive lineman on the Eagles. But I think that Eagles defensive line, there's a reason they got 70 sacks this year. Like they are de- I know the Niners defensive line is, is deep and Eric Arbstead's been fantastic, but man, just across the board for the Eagles, um, Brandon Graham, Josh Sweat. Uh, Josh Sweat, Fletcher yeah, Cox, Hassan Reddick, and Fletcher Cox, as you said. Like, those guys are damn good. Do I take. Wait, they're not, they're not even done. Do I take Har- the backups? Hargrove. Yeah. Uh, and Dominican Sue is there. And Dominican Sue is there. Linville Joseph is there. And they don't even use Robert Quinn, which is crazy to me. Yep. Yep. So, and didn't he have like. Didn't he have like a resurgence with the Bears last year? Didn't he have? He did. He had 18 sacks last yeah, year. 18 sacks. He's not doing so well this season, but I, you would figure. I, I'm gonna say this. I think Robert Quinn's gonna get a sack tomorrow. I like that. Wow, hot take. Hey, there's your bold prediction. No, not hot take. Just a bold prediction. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm with you. I would take the defensive line. I think I think Nick Bosa is better than any of those guys on the defensive line. But as far as a group, yes, I'm taking the Eagles' defensive line over the Niners. Yep. But I will take the linebackers for the Niners all day. No question. I think that's the weakest part of the Eagles' defense is yep. that if you could get if you could get past their defensive line, this is where they struggled a little bit. Like everyone keeps talking about the Commanders game this season. I think that was the blueprint for the Niners to beat the Eagles. You just run right at them. But that's I think before they had Adama Kitsu and Linville Joseph, they signed them after that loss. And not to mention, we even mentioned this guy, rookie for the Eagles, Jordan Davis from Georgia. When Mm. he wasn't in the lineup, that's when the defensive line struggled a little bit in the running game. And now that he's back and he's next to Fletcher Cox, I think that teams are having a hard time running on that team. Um, But yes, if you can get past their defensive line, their linebacking core is not great. Hassan Reddick does play outside linebacker, but he's more of a pass rusher. 
when you get to this when you get into their their inside of their linebacking core with TJ Edwards and Ka- and Kaiser White. Those guys are kind of lighter, not great linebackers. I think that that no question that the Niners have a better linebacking core with Fred Warner, uh, Trey Greenlaw, Dre Greenlaw, and um, Al Shazier. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, but that doesn't mean I think that the Eagles are necessarily going to beat the 49ers. This is like the, if I'm taking a majority of their positional groups, okay, but the reason these two teams are so good is because. Like they've both, this is what's going to be fascinating. I mean, I, like, I think the first quarter, the game's almost going to be decided in the first quarter. Mm. Um, like, I think if, if one of these teams gets a two touchdown lead, like, I don't know. I, I don't see either team coming back from that because the thing that both of these teams, the reason why they're so good is because when they get a lead, they just keep a hold of it and they don't turn the ball over too much. The Eagles don't. Um, that's why, like, Kittle was making a great point. He's like, the reason why the sack numbers are so high, the reason they set a franchise record is because they take such an early lead and they're forcing these teams to pass on damn yep. near every down. They're having an opportunity almost on every snap to uh, a, a passing snap. It's like, it's, it, but it's also kind of the same thing with the Niners. Like if the Niners get off to an early lead, but the difference is like the reason that this Niners team is different is because, well, they're also not afraid to get a little aggressive with Brock Purdy instead of just trying to run the football and get conservative. I know Shanahan's like a conservative coach and you know what? That might go to his detriment. That might be to his detriment. Like what if they get up to a two score lead, then he gets conservative, goes away from Purdy. If he's like, a you know, kind of scared of the defense and then, you know, tries to run the football against a team that, to be honest, has not been good stopping the run this year. Like that seems to be a place where a lot of people think the Niners have the edge. And I totally agree. Um, but like, what if those guys are not fully healthy, not a hundred percent. And it seems like they can't gain ground. Like I don't, it's going to be a fascinating matchup, man. It really is. Yeah. I would say that I think that it's very important for the Niners to get an early lead more than Mm. the Eagles. I think that the Eagles have the capability to come back if they need to, just because of having home field advantage and having the rookie quarterback with for with the with Brock Purdy. They asked George Kittle about the past fourth quarter collapses they've had when the NFC Championship game a year ago, and when they were up seventeen to seven against the Rams, and then they were up ten points against the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. And I think that in those situations, they let big plays happen with the defense. Um, Cooper Cup got the best of the Niners secondary, and I think that who was it? it was Sammy Watkins and Tyree Kill getting the best out of the Niners secondary, and I think that very well could happen with the Eagles if they don't cover correctly with AJ Brown and Devontae Smith. However, I do think that if the Niners do find themselves in a predicament when they're down fourteen to nothing and they have to rely on the arm of Brock Purdy, that's where things get very, very bad for them. Considering, as you put it the pass rush of the secondary can feast off of turnovers. Yeah. Yeah. And, and also like, you know, that, that game with the Rams, Chikwaski Tart makes that interception game's over. I don't know about that. I, everyone talks about that. There was 10 minutes left in that game. I do know about that. They would have ended that game. They would have a hundred percent on that play with 10 minutes left in the game. I think so. Yeah. They, 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 they cause a three, a quick three and out and they get the ball back and there's eight minutes left in the game. I don't know. I don't know. Everyone but, reacts like like ten minutes is like oh that's the end of the game. For, there's so much time left in football games. Well, it changed. It, that's true. Thirteen it, seconds isn't even enough, Stephen. I know, but 
I do think they would have won had he caught that touchdown. Like it would have like I, that pick. Yes, I do think the momentum would have been in their favor. The Rams would have been like, okay, this is it. Like this thing with stat, we can't beat the 49. Like their motivation would have been gone. Nah, I don't know about that. I, I think it takes one. I think it just takes one. There might be just one play in this game. One play that that changes everything. You know what I mean? Like, well, the, the biggest you need oh, sorry, a little bit of sometimes you need a little bit of luck, you know, like yeah. and and maybe that's what one of these teams needs. Maybe it comes down to like that one play that's kind of like, man, they're lucky that didn't happen. Like, for example, the Niners, like luck was a little bit on their side in that game. You know, the I don't consider the Kittle catch a lucky catch. I don't think that's actually you I talking about last was, week against the Cowboys. Yeah, I think that one was straight. I think I, that one was actually skill. I think that one was like that's Kittle being a, just a damn good tight end, uh, yeah, having no awareness of the football. But I think their lucky play was Trayvon Diggs dropping the interception. Um, you know, I think the lucky play in against the Chiefs when in the Super Bowl in 2019 was the fact that, you know, Garoppolo overthrew Emmanuel Sanders. Like, you know, you get you need a little bit of luck and which team's going to get it. That's the question come Sunday. It might come down to that. Just like that one play. Well, that's where I think the crowd may be a factor in the in the sense that home field just sometimes crazy things happen to the home team. Yeah. Yeah. Now, the biggest question that I have is just Brock Purdy in this setting. Mm. And he says all the right things. He's done all the right things up to this moment. But this is a different different thing for him. And we said all the things about he hasn't faced a, a road team like this. I have no question that he can play up to the moment. I don't think that the moment's going to get to him whatsoever. I do question, though, we saw a little bit last week where he played against the Cowboys, and he had a solid game. It wasn't anything spectacular, but at the same time, he didn't turn the ball over, and that's what you ask for your third-string quarterback when you're going to the Super Bowl. However, I do think they're going to need more out of him. I do think that they're going to need him to play turnover-free football. He's going to have to play smart football. And the biggest thing that you have to believe that Jonathan Gannon, the defensive coordinator of the Eagles, has been focusing on this week is stopping the run. Because if they could do that, they have a chance. If they cannot stop the run, I don't think they have any chance in this game. They cannot let Christian McCaffrey run on them. So that has to be the game plan. And then you force Brock Purdy to beat you. And that's, to me, that's the easiest thing in the sense that between the pass rush and the secondary against a third-string quarterback who's a rookie this season, I understand what he's accomplished, and he is in the conversation for Offensive Rookie of the Year, but you do have the advantage in that situation, in my opinion. Yeah, I think so. Um, but I also think like Shanahan is good enough to scheme things up where he could take advantage of the weakness on that defense, which is the linebackers. Like the way that Shanahan is able to scheme up plays so that there's just open green grass in the middle of the field, giving a wide open uh, receiver, whether it's Ayuk or or Kittle, it's never so much Debo. Debo doesn't Debo doesn't really he doesn't run a lot of deep crosses. I've noticed it's not a big deep no. crossing thing with Debo. It's more it's more just the short passes and maybe a deep shot every now and then with him. Um, but how they're going to combat that? Because you're right, they are going to put the focus on the run. But those linebackers, and we've seen it, we didn't really see it in in the Cowboys game. The Cowboys, I thought, did a really good job against their play fakes for the most part. Um, but when they're motioning all over the place, how can these linebackers deal with it? Like that's, that's my, I think the, I think the Niners can get off to an early lead if, you know, if the opening in the middle of the field is right there, but 
Also, it depends on the type of defense they're going to roll out there. If they are getting a player in back in their secondary, maybe they, you know, roll something out like the Chargers did during that playoff game once where it's just they have like one linebacker on the field and they're just running out their dime package the entire time. Like, what are they going to do? How they're going to combat that? I wonder. I do wonder. I think it's going to be a little chess match. It's going to be a great chess match. One matchup I do want to talk to you about, and I don't hmm. think that this one's interesting, but I, I, I would pick the Niners in this situation, but I do think it's close. Um, Kyle Shanahan versus Nick Sirianni. Now, I know that we make fun of Nick Sirianni with the pizza choices and him kind of being a meathead, but there is something to him in the sense that he's figured out this team. The offense, you know, I didn't know how it was going to work with Jalen Hurts. As soon as they fired Doug Peterson, I didn't know how this was going to go. And he's gotten the best out of this team. He knows what's beneficial for them with what the talent they have he's made Jalen Hurts a way better passer this season than he was a season ago I do give the edge to Kyle Shannon because I do think he's just a better play caller a better coach a better schemer yeah but I do think there is something with Nick Sirianni that is kind of flying under the radar that maybe we on the west coast don't see that the east coast does see in the way that he's able to game plan I can't speak for Sirianni and what he does I haven't watched nearly as much of him as I've watched Shanahan. I would give the edge to Shanahan. But my thing is, and I wondered this from that Monday when he mentioned, yeah, you know, I pay attention a lot to Iowa State. Like, because he was roommates with their head coach. Yeah, and Matt Campbell. He basically, you know, he, he basically said, like, look, he, he denied that there's going to be any, you know, he's there's going to be any help. Do we know that? Do we any help? What do you yeah, mean? like, is it, you know, what if he asked, like, Matt Campbell, hey, what are this guy's tendencies? Oh, 100. That's a lie. I, I 100% thought that he, yes, he, he's, he's looking to Matt Campbell for help. Yes. Like, well, yes. like, like he, he said, like, well, unless it helps Iowa State, then he's not going to give me any advice. And it's like, I don't know about that. I, <laughs> now, co- coaches ask other coaches for help. Yes. But like, I, I, but I, but you know, if you're Matt Campbell, are you rooting more for Nick Sirianna? You're rooting for Brock Purdy, your former player. Right, right. But uh, you know what I'm, you know what I, this is weird, but I can't wait to watch this. It seems like the Niners are like the most, their defense is the most unstoppable in fourth and short situations. Like teams rarely get it past them on fourth and short. Mm -hmm. The Eagles have what they call the most unstoppable play in football. And last week against the Giants, I, I, think they were just you know at this i think this is a genius part on sirianni i think they were waiting to roll this out in the postseason yes. to give the next opponent something to think about but they fake it they mm-hmm. look like they're gonna go for the you know they they bring aj brown in across the back and they're gonna push hurts into the end zone like it's the most unstoppable play in football well they fake that against the giants with a toss to game game one. Yeah, yes so i wonder like are they going to do the same thing. I think it was genius to, to wait to pull that out to the postseason because I don't think the Niners know what's coming, but I'm fascinated to watch the best defense and fourth and short and the best offense on fourth and short. It's so weird. Like if the, if the Eagles get down to the one at the end zone and they got to go with that one play, everyone knows it's coming. How's that going to go? I do. I'm very curious with that. Very well, I even curious. wonder. I even wonder if it's like a fourth and short on their own forty, and they may do like a play action fake where, you know, something crazy where they pitch it to the right, whoever's got the ball, and throws downfield to AJ Brown, who's wide open. Mm. I I wonder. I mean, like I I took Kyle Shanahan in the advantage as far as coaching, but I do think that Nick Sirianni is going to be more aggressive than Kyle Shanahan will be. 
Yeah. I think that Kyle Shanahan, he will be aggressive as far as scoring points when it comes to, you know, fourth and whatever's. Nick Sirianni's not hesitant. He's very much like his predecessor in Doug Peterson, where he's going to go for it. Mm-hmm. So I do think that we will see. Like, he doesn't give a fuck about the Niners defense. He's going to go for it. He wants to establish his dominance. If there's a fourth and goal, he's going to go for that. Right. Which is going to be very interesting. Yep. I, I, I agree with you, Stephen. That's not even something I thought about. But Niners defense is fantastic in fourth and short situations. And Eagles have converted most of their fourth and goal situations or fourth and short situations all season long with just that push play, which is crazy to me that that's not called the flag anymore. Yeah. I don't know if you remember this, Stephen, but back in the day, one of the most controversial plays in college football was when USC was playing Notre Dame in a game where mm-hmm. Reggie Bush pushed Matt Leinart in the back to get into the end zone. Now, at the time, that's a penalty. That is a penalty where you can't give leverage to another player to get them in. However, that has been overlooked now, and that happens all the time now. Right. Yeah, I, it's... It should. I do think it's a rule that should be changed. I don't know. I'm not like it's. It's just kind of an easy thing where it's just like I'm stuffed. No, you're not. Ugh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You just push them in. I don't. I don't. I don't necessarily like that either. I don't like it either. But it is what it is. Uh, let's finally pick this game, man. What? What? Oh, what are we gonna get? Like which? Which Jalen Hurts are we gonna get? The, the thing we haven't even mentioned that's been regurg- yeah. like like you said something that's been regurgitated all week is the 49ers and how their defense stacks up against um, mobile quarterbacks, mobile quarterbacks. Like is, is, is Jalen hurts going to be like, you know, I mean, I I think the Niners, they haven't allowed one 100 yard rusher this season. Like what if Jalen hurts becomes the first, or are they going to stop that completely and focus on that? Because they know that is their weakness. Like what are they going to do? It's, it's so, I can't wait for this game, man. Like, damn, I heard a question yesterday where it was like, which one would you, if you had to pick one, which one would you rather watch if you between had the, the choice yeah. between the two? And I'm like, man, Mahomes, Burrow, I'd love to watch that, but it doesn't feel like you're gonna it doesn't feel like there's been a game where both rosters have been as well rounded yeah. like as these two teams. And you obviously got an MVP going up against a rookie quarterback, but still these two teams are so evenly matched. I'd take this game over the over the Bengals Chiefs. Even though it has the two better quarterbacks, I do think there's more mystery with this because we've asking, we've been asking all season with the Niners and the Eagles play, who's going to win? It's going to be we, such a good game. And we've always asked, you know, are, we've always assumed that these are the two best teams in the NFC. I know the Vikings had the second best record for most of the season, but the Niners caught up with them and it became clear that the Vikings are not who we thought yeah. they were. As far as the Bengals and Chiefs, we've seen this before and it's just good to see it again. God, God, like... What if Nick Bosa finally gets to the quarterback, but he's too aggressive and like Jalen Hurts is running to the outside? What if well, Nick that's Bosa, what if Nick Bosa's smart and doesn't like what if that, he's not aggressive? Wow, that that's the thing that I thought that the Cowboys should have done more of last week was they should have had Dak running because I do think that that's something that the Niners are vulnerable with for whatever reason. They focus so much on getting the quarterbacks in the pocket, and when they are elusive, they have a little bit of struggles. We saw in the first game of the season, Justin Fields didn't do anything. I thought in game planning but it was just his athleticism that was able to win them that game same mm. thing with Russell Wilson nothing fantastic but in that third game of the season they struggled against him Mahomes moving around against the Niners defense Marcus Mariota anytime they've faced a mobile quarterback this season they have struggled a little bit yeah yeah and and then like you know there's that but then that when the with the edge I certainly give to the 49ers is like I do think that ultimately 
and this is just organic. This isn't because of this isn't a knock on the Eagles and just their mindsets, but like I, the veterans on this on this Niners team, I think they want it just so much more than a lot of these other guys on the on, on the Eagles. Personally, like I don't know about that. They, Man, that's hard to say. They've just it's just they've been there the third the last three of the four championships. I, know. I don't know. I, I, just, I, I just feel like I, they're locked in. Uh, but going they also into this one there. There's also a there. I I think the Eagles have a a you know going all in aspect of this like the Rams did a year ago, right? Where it may not be a lot of guys that have Super Bowl experience. I think Fletcher Cox, Brandon Graham, and Adamic and Sue are the only guys I could think of that have or uh, Jason Kelsey, Lane Johnson. Is Dallas Goddard on that uh, Super Bowl team? I think he was. Maybe for, not actually. For, no, for the, no, he no, he was a rookie the next season for the Eagles. Yeah, no, he no, he wasn't. He was uh, it, yeah, I, I know. Um, so there is. It's just gonna be fascinating. Yeah, it, man. We've talked we talked about it too much. Let's pick this game. We've talked about it for like an hour. It's I know that's the thing. You could go back. You can go back and forth in it so much because these two teams are the best in the NFC. So let's just pick the damn thing then. I don't know how I'm gonna pick it. That's my problem. I don't know who to pick. Well, we're gonna find out right now if you can. All right, NFC Championship game, and we'll 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 pick the AFC one a little bit here, and we'll do a little preview as well. But not as not as in depth as we just went with the NFC Championship game. Certainly but not. Niners and Eagles. Eagles are favored two and a half, and the over under is forty six and a half. Stephen, <sighs> it's time to put up or shut up. What are you doing? First off, I'm taking the under. I am taking the under. I don't think it's going to be a real high-scoring game. I think it's going to be much like that game against Dallas where these two teams, I don't know, maybe it comes down to the kicker. I think the Niners move on to the Super Bowl after this game. I think ultimately they get the edge. There's something. You believe in the Brock. I believe in the Brock. There's, I, I, I think what we kind of talked about with, like you, you pretty much said, like if, the Niners get this run game going, then Eagles aren't going to have much of a shot. And I actually think that's, what's going to happen. I think, okay. I think they're going to strike hard. They're going to strike early. They're going to strike first. They're going to get as much as they can out of McCaffrey's calf <laughs> to start out. I think, like, I think there's going to be a lot of McCaffrey involved in the first, like this dude is your best player. Like I, I'm, I, I think he is, there's going to be a lot of McCaffrey involved in the, maybe some Kittle. And then later on down the, down the line, it's like, Oh, that's right. They still have Debo Samuel. They still have Brandon Ayuk. Like they, they, they have this game plan every every game where it's like they focus on one or two guys. Then they remind you, oh yeah, we got these other guys too. <laughs> on third down, you guys are going to cover all four of them. <laughs> Wait a second, we got Jawan Jennings. So I think the uh, third I, and Jawan, third and Jawan, which I do not like. I don't think it's a. I don't think it's clever at all. It's like I'd rather have third and Jennings, but you know that's just me. Uh, tell it to Greg. Yeah, um, I don't like it, Greg. And I, whatever, but, um, sorry, Greg, I'll tell you at training camp next time I see you and I'll reintroduce myself again for like the fifth time. As he I knows who you are. I know. I always, I always introduce myself every time. <laughs> like, hey, it's Steven Derek's friend. Anyway. Uh, yeah, I'll take the Niners. What about you? You, have, you don't have to say Derek's friend. You say, Hey, I'm Steven Langford. I'm on goddamn CBS radio. <laughs> I don't know. I don't expect him to know. I don't expect anybody to know who I am. Let people know who you are, Steven. <laughs> um, I hear you. And it's a very, I don't fault you for taking the Niners in this game. I know last week I picked the Cowboys and I said, if I, I, I and I know and I said, if I, if I was, if I was wrong, I'd come on here and, and admit it. And I'm, I was wrong. I was wrong because Brock Purdy rose to the occasion. And while he didn't play a fantastic game, he didn't turn the ball over. If Jimmy Garoppolo was playing in this game and was healthy, I would give the edge to the Niners. Mm-hmm. I would. 
but I do believe that this is just where anything that Brock Purdy has experienced in the past cannot get him ready for this situation. I'm not saying he's going to be scared and he's going to crap his pants, but what I'm saying is, is just he hasn't faced a team like this. Right. He he hasn't faced a pass rush. He hasn't faced a secondary. That's where I think this is just a major difference. I think they're very comparable teams, and I think that could give a little bit to the edge in the Niners as far as being a more physical team, but just as far as putting up points. I, I think the Niners' defense, it's so hard to say because I could, I could see them getting after Hurts and maybe even hurting him, or I could even say, and they slam the run, or I could even see this being kind of similar to when they face the Atlanta Falcons and they just have struggles with the pull option read and they don't know what to game plan for as far as the running game or the passing game. So as far as just the unknown of what I'm going to see with the Niners defense and the Eagles, I just I think about the quarterbacks and I have more faith in Jalen Hurts than I do in Brock Purdy. And even though Brock Purdy's played fantastic up to this point, I just think that he hasn't faced anything like this yet. I think it's going to be difficult between the crowd and the pass rush and the secondary. So even though I think Kyle Shanahan's a better coach, and I do think that the Niners do have more advantages in some aspects, I am giving the edge to the Eagles, and I'm going to take them to win. I'm going to lay the points, and I'm going to take the under. I also don't know if uh, Purdy's gone up against a defensive lineman who talks as much trash as... Brandon Graham does. He likes to talk. Brandon Graham is going to. He'll be... officiate your wedding if you want him to. What's that? He'll officiate your wedding if you want him to. You ever seen an America's game? No. In the uh, 2017 Eagles America's game, he's talking to some fans, and some fans asked him, "Like, uh, can you officiate our wedding?" He was like, "I'll be there." And sure enough, he did. Wow. That's. I mean, that's. <laughs> also. Should be in the conversation. He wasn't even, I think, a finalist. Comeback player of the year. Tours Achilles last year, I think, against the Niners. Yeah. In week two last year. Yeah. Missed the whole, missed the, most of the season. It came back with 10 sacks. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think he's 34 years old. Probably his last season with the Eagles. That's the thing, too. This Eagles team kind of has to win. Yeah, I mean, God, they do have. Because God, this because their, their salary cap next season changes. They got to pay Jalen Hurts. And they may lose Fletcher Cox, who's a free agent. They may lose Brandon Graham, who's a free agent. They may lose James Bradbury, who's a free agent. They got a lot of things to do next season. Yeah, you're right. And I mean, the Niners do have a lot of third, fourth, and conference championship. But also, Eagles have four old dudes who might feel this is their last go at a Super Bowl. Man. Wow. It's tough. Who's going to come out on top? Oh, I can't this, 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 this is probably the closest NFC championship game we've had as far as a matchup. Probably since Whew. maybe Vikings and Saints like 10, 15 years ago. Mm. Mm, good call with Brett Favre and uh, and uh, Drew Brees. Right, All right, right. Real quick, we gotta give time give time to the other game. Ah, whatever. <laughs> what do we mean, whatever? This is Mahomes versus Burrow. Ah, the Chiefs. I'm tired of the Chiefs. I'm over them. I, I hear you. Get out of my but, life. But it sounds like the the ankle is healing and may not be as big as a factor as we all thought it was. Still, you know, will be a factor. But they took him off the injury report. Mahomes is good to go. We'll see how effective he is. And then the whole thing with uh, Burrowhead. Yeah. You know, that's bulletin board material for a little bit, I guess. Chris Jones ended the press conference um, yesterday saying, we'll see you all at Burrowhead. And then this is just a good matchup between two good quarterbacks. This is kind of like the new upcoming, 
Brady and Manning a little bit. Uh, we'll see if Josh Allen gets into the mix, but I think these are the two. Let me ask you: You think these are the two best quarterbacks in the AFC right now? Yeah, I, yeah, I, I think agree. There's no doubt. Yeah. As far as playoff savvy, I like these two guys the most. I'm sorry, but Mahomes is one of the best that I've ever seen. Yeah. Like, like there's no doubt in my mind. He's only 27 years old, but I I think Mahomes is one of the best ever, and I think Joe Burrow is like. Like if this dude plays for a high level for a very long, like he's so much like Tom Brady to me. Very um, similar. He's very Tom Brady esque. So yes, you are seeing one of the greats of all time already. Like I, I think Mahomes is, and Joe Burrow, who is well on his way. He is fantastic. I think all the talking this week has been great. I think Eli Apple doing all that jawing. Um, I think that's awesome. Like them calling it Burrowhead. Like just. The Niners and the Eagles, there's the whole home crowds thing. It feels like that's really been the that's been the struggle, right? That's been like the power struggle is like which fan base is better? How's the home crowd gonna affect the Niners? Blah, 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 blah. But like with the Chiefs and the Bengals, it's purely with the players. And it's not really like the, the other stuff, like Debo, sure, he might say that thing about the home crowd, but he's not saying anything about the team. He's not yeah. saying, ah, you know what? I don't know if they're gonna be that good. He's like, I don't know if they're that good. You know what I mean? Like he's not saying anything like that. He's not calling Lincoln Financial Field. I don't know. Like, he's not calling it Debo Land or something like. That. <laughs> you know what I mean? They're not calling it. Uh, I don't know. Well, the Niner fans did uh, put a jersey on or a flag on a so Rocky it all, statue. It all has to do with the fans. It all has to do with the fans. None of it has to do with the players. The players aren't really the ones creating it. Chiefs and Bengals, they are, and I love it. And I think it's going to make for a fantastic matchup. It is between the quarterbacks, but these two teams. A little yeah. something there. Burrow three and zero against Mahomes. That is the thing is that Josh or uh, John, not Josh, not Josh Allen. Josh Allen's not playing in this game. Joe no, Burrow has had the advantage against Patrick Mahomes in his career, three and zero against him. And Patrick Mahomes is zero three against Joe Burrow. And I think that the whole Burrowland thing or Burrowhead thing is getting into the Chiefs' minds a little bit. I do wonder about their skill sets as far as what the Bengals have in their receiving core as opposed to what the Chiefs had. It's amazing what Mahomes has done this season without Tyreek Hill. He has Travis Kelsey. He has an injury this week. He probably will gut it out and play. But as far as their receivers, you got Juju Smith-Schuster, you got Miko Harmon, you got Marquez Valdez-Scantling. Not the best, but he's made do with it all season and led the league in passing yards and touchdowns. And as far as their running backs, they're kind of pass catchers too in, in uh, Jerick McKinnon and uh, Isaiah Pacheco. But yeah, this is this is between the two quarterbacks, and I, you know, they have great pass rush and you know secondary as well between the two teams. But it's the quarterbacks; it's Joe Burrow versus Patrick Mahomes, even though they're not playing against each other. Well, I but I do think that the running backs for the Bengals matter. I think Joe Mixon, if you create some openings for him, yeah, you know exactly, and, and like you got the defense focusing on him, I think that opens things up for burrow massively so i i do think it's between the two quarterbacks but i think it starts with the run for the Bengals specifically mm. with the with the chiefs it's going to be all about the quarterback you're going to see a lot of Jarek mckinnon Jarek mckinnon has been like a revelation for the past month um so or at least the two months i guess since we're going to the beginning damn it's already been two months since the beginning of december um yeah i, I want to say with the chiefs they're two uh as far as receiving touchdowns it's travis kelsey and Jarek mckinnon yeah yeah like who would have thought the jet, but uh, no man, I it's it's gonna be an awesome game. There's animosity. I'm just tired of the Chiefs being there every single year. Five Chiefs. years in a row, same Chiefs. spot too. 
AFC Championship with the most likable guy on the planet and Andy Reid, who all he wants to do is eat cheeseburgers and bratwurst and win football games. And draw mustaches on people's faces. And draw mustaches on people's faces. I I think these two teams are pretty evenly matched too. Um, yeah. But like, if the Bengals win, like we've seen the repetition we've we've seen it play out here for the past few super bowls but if that if that opposing team between who wins the niners and the eagles like if they're facing the Bengals, Bengals are going out there with a hurt offensive line and we that is true alex kappa and um who's the other guy jonah williams jonah williams are out again this week yeah and it's like well they're probably going to be out for the remainder of the postseason so we've seen yeah. what happens in the Super Bowl when, it, it, like the, as the the cliche goes, the chickens come home to roost when it comes to that. It's like the the offensive line has a couple of great games, and then all of a sudden they face an NFC team and uh, a solid defensive line, and then boom. Well, if, they, if the, the Bengals play either the Niners or the Eagles, they will have a hard time with that pass rush. And I That's think they might man. even have a hard time with the pass rush with the Chiefs this weekend against yeah. Chris Jones and Frank yeah. Clark. Yeah, that's the thing, man. It's like that that's why i think if the bengal's do beat the chiefs that to me is like signifying that that offensive line played well yeah. and it's like okay they've done so for two straight games but now you're really facing like a defensive line whether it's the niners or the eagles whoever wins that game who indeed all right <laughs> let's pick this one steven ooh chiefs are favored by one and a half mm. and the over under is 48 uh i'd take the over and i think the chiefs are going to win I think Mahomes is something different, and they've been my pick really all year long. Like as much as I hate to say it, and as much as I don't laying want the them, points, I am laying the points. Yes, taking the over. Like they've been my pick all year long. I don't think this is. Uh, I, I think I think the Bengals are a damn good team, but the pass rush I think is going to get to them. I think the uh, Cincinnati secondary is. I don't think they're that bad. I think they're pretty good. So, you know, I, I Spagnuolo always seems to coach them up. Andy Reid does. They got a great coaching staff there. And I mean, so does so do the Bengals, though. They got Lou Amaruno or whatever his name is, who's really whose name's been popping up a lot recently. Um not for head coaching interviews, though. Not for head coaching interviews, just as a defensive genius. But uh yeah, I think that um I, I think the Chiefs pull this one out at home. I do as well. Yeah. I think that and if, if my prediction's correct, it's gonna be uh Andy Reid. Versus the Eagles. Oh, boy. Um, wow. I didn't even think about that one. Yeah. Uh, so I do believe that Patrick Mahomes will play with the hurt ankle, but he'll gut it through. And I think that there is something in the fact that they've fallen to this team three straight times and they want to get it rectified, especially in, you know, they faced this team a year ago and they were up 21 to three in the first half and then just shit the bed the rest of the half or the, the second half and lost to the Bengals in overtime. Hmm. And it would be amazing considering that they traded Tyree Kill away if they were able to go to the Super Bowl with this team that I guess is a lesser receiving core than when it was a year ago. So I am going to take the Chiefs to win. I am going to go over. I'm laying the points. I think it's just a matter of revenge. And I think that the Bengals have played well, but I do think the offensive line issues will, while it wasn't a big factor at all against the Bills, I will think I do think it's going to be a factor in this game. Yep, yep. You're just giving the other team full. See, that's what the Eagles haven't done. And they're kind of smart in that way. They have not given this Niner team fuel yet. They have not given them any added motivation. They have shut up. <laughs> they have zipped their mouths. These 
the, the Seahawks, they kind of did the same, but on with their play on the field. The Cowboys, not necessarily with their play on the field, but with before the game. They're giving more fuel. They're adding it to the fire. They're adding gas. They're stoking it. Eagles haven't done that yet. Eagles players. So, yeah. Yeah. But however, Bengals players, they have absolutely stoked that fire. Yeah. It's going to be interesting. Whoo. Man, I'm I'm fascinating you with my conversation, aren't I? Look at you. you well, I'm sorry, it's just early. I, I I will say though, I I have more energy for the morning shows we do than the night shows. Good lord. Yeah, that, that's, sleep, that's sleep, true. Sleepwalking through that last one. Yeah, you tend to do that. It's pretty funny. <laughs> Steven, <laughs> football. What do you think? Football, 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 football. Yeah, that's 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 how I act on the night shows. Mm. Um, before we get out of here, real quick. Uh, Basketball, basketball, basketball. Because um, you said football, football, football. Warriors have won two in a row, which is nice. We'll see if it actually goes somewhere. But we talked about this a little bit last podcast. The Bob Myers article written by Marcus Thompson, Anthony Slater, and Sam Amick, where they believe, and they've talked to numerous people inside the organization, and the consensus is that Bob, in fact, is going to leave. Right. I thought this was the case when this first arose by Adrian Wojnarowski. Um, a couple weeks ago when they're playing the Boston Celtics. I, and you, we, we brought it up, uh, Bob Myers is starting his own podcast. Um, what, what is that on, by the way? I don't know. I haven't looked at it. Well, I do believe that Bob is very good when he does radio hits, obviously, and I do think that he would be a good media guy. That's why I believe that this is the end for Bob Myers. And, you know, in the article, they talked about where... Uh, Joe Lacob doesn't know if Bob Myers is one of the top three executives paid in the league. Um, he says also, like, I listened to the Tim, Cow- Tim, Tim Kawakami podcast interview where he goes, I don't want to talk in the media about this, but he is talking in the media about this. Um, right. And he said he's given offers to Bob, and Bob has not agreed to any of them yet. And, um, you know, we all know the stuff about uh, Kirk Lacob uh, being the assistant general manager. And Bob or uh, Joe wanted to be more hands-on with the organization. And uh, I do believe that Bob Myers is a big, big fan of Jerry West. So I don't know what that means for the future with him, with the Clippers. But I know that he likes himself some Jerry West. So I do think this is the end. I do believe that. Once the season ends and whatever success the Warriors have this season, we won't see Draymond anymore, and we will not see Bob Myers as a president of basketball operations. Yeah, probably. Uh, and if they haven't signed him yet, especially since it doesn't count against the luxury tax or anything, then then what are you waiting for? So clearly, yeah, I think this is this is coming to an end here. When especially when his contract runs up in July, like that's yeah. If they haven't paid him yet, six months remaining seems like the writing's kind of on the wall there. Or I mean, even five months now. Yeah, seems like the writing's on the wall. Um, for for Myers, which is a shame. You know, um, can't come, to, can't see this through. You know, this whole two timeline approach, and then you know the transition from one timeline to the other. Like we can't really. He's not going to be able to see that through. But you know, I, I wasn't too surprised by that article. I wasn't either, but I think it's. I, I what's surprising to me is that when initially the report came out from AJ Wojnarowski. A lot of the, you know, the guys that know this, you know, the Warriors pretty well, Marcus Thompson and Mark Spears that we talked to were just like, yeah, I don't see this happening. I mean, what else is Bob going to do? And now it's turned into, well, Bob's got options. 
And Bob doesn't need to do this. And if this is going to be the slow rebuild portion of the Warriors' next phase of their, you know, not rebuild, but I guess just next phase of the Warriors where we will see what happens with a lot of guys on this team, then Bob may not want to be a part of it. Yeah, it's a shame, but I, I think he's done like a really damn good job of keeping the culture together and like keeping I do too. guys at a level head and kind no, of letting I, them be themselves. Um, I but, think that yeah. I think they've been successful because obviously because of the players, but I think because of the brass, mainly because of Steve Kerr and Bob Myers. And I think we'll be start to be a slippery slope then once Bob Myers leaves of who's really interested in wanting to be around this organization. Well, yeah, yeah, it's it it does feel like it's inevitable that it's getting toward the end here. This is yeah. Yep. We'll see uh, the 2025 Golden State Warriors coached by uh, Kenny Atkinson and general manager Kirk Lakeup. Oh, boy. All right. On that note, uh, enjoy the games tomorrow, everybody. It's going to be fantastic. Um, we will see what happens with the two games. We will be back next week. Until then, Stephen, say what you always say. Man. Just our opinion, man. Did you see the uh, guy bring out the pizza, the, the McDonald's, onto the basketball court? Oh, yeah. That, that was a prank, though, unfortunately. Yeah. That was real. I did too. Just our opinion, man.